sure most of you have been to one of our Bible conferences, but is there anybody here that's never done one of these Bible conferences before? Anybody at all? If you'd raise your hand. A couple people? Never? Okay. Well, praise the Lord. Thanks for hanging out with us. This is a great opportunity to do exactly what God wants all of his people to do, which is to give, make sure the Word of God is given out in a timely manner. Uh, you know, many of you know Brian Clark, but he used to say, you know, it's, it's not good news if it doesn't make it there on time. And that's a true statement. And so we got to get the Word of God to the hands of people that need the Word of God. And so it's important that we do these kind of things. Churches are required by God. In fact, they're commanded by God uh, to uh, put his word out. And so that's why we do what we're doing. So before you hear right now, um, what, we're, we're, what we've accomplished so far in just, uh, what, my mind's not thinking right, but I think a day and a half, Sunday afternoon, evening, and all day today, uh, we have 2,136 Bibles in the box. That's an awesome, incredible thing. Uh, you know, with the way things are in our in our culture today where people are, are intimidated to gather in a group, um, you know what, we're gathering in a group, and we're doing something for God, and we're getting the word out. And so uh, we got 2,136 Bibles right now. Uh, we've got about another, these are all Spanish, and they're going ultimately, the final destination is my, my understanding is they're going to be in Venezuela. That's where they're going, so that's good. Um, and then uh, we've got about another 1,000-plus in the pipeline to get into the box of the Spanish. And then after that, we've got another 1,000 uh, English Bibles that are going to Jamaica. Uh, if you recall, um, our, our missionary in Jamaica, evangelist Bob Weston, you remember him, a Jamaican man that uh, was just an awesome voice and just loved to share the Word of God with people. Uh, he passed away, of course, a few years ago, but that didn't change our commitment to his ministry, uh, Christ's love in action. And so every year we produce a minimum of a 1,000 Bibles to send to Jamaica. And so the English Bibles that are in the lobby right now on the floor that have yet to be touched and started the process of getting them on their way to Jamaica, uh, that's what we're doing. We're going to send them to him, uh, to, well, to his ministry, to the people that are still serving in, in Jamaica. And so I'm, I'm excited about that as well because... Uh, they they always wanted the people in Jamaica for whatever reason they always wanted King James black cover Bibles and that's what we give them and that's what we produce so I just want to say thank you for being a part of our work here the work that we are doing the the um, the, the hands-on approach of delivering the Word of God in uh, in a way that uh, has an impact on people's lives so thank you for being here for for the work don't run off after the service is over. It's great preaching. We're about to hear from uh, our speaker this evening. I'll let Pastor Brian uh, introduce him. Uh, but don't don't take off afterwards. Stick around and, and put some Bibles together. Amen? Let's get them closer to the box. Thank you.
Technical difficulties. It's all right, we'll get there.
Praise the Lord. Well, man, what a good special. Be still, my soul. Well, welcome again to HBF. You're joining us online. We are glad that you are with us for our Bible conference tonight. I know a lot of people are already getting weary and well-doing. A lot of work has been done, but we've got to continue on. And I'm so excited about all that God has provided. It's amazing. And uh, you guys have done a good job. Give yourself some more love. That was, that's excellent. And we need to celebrate. As a, matter of, as a matter of fact, Steve, could you, I forgot to start, talk about celebrating. I, I left my shirt there. That's important. It's an important aspect of my presentation tonight. Thank you. So, um, but I just want to remind you, refresh you on our conference theme. Our verse is out of Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 27. It says, prepare thy work without, comma, and make it fit for thyself in the field, and afterwards build thine house. And of course, we've been focusing on the priority of preparing thy work. There's work that we have to do. There's a certain amount of work that we've got to get done to accomplish God's mission and God's power regarding these, uh, these scriptures. And we're praying uh, that God would allow us to prepare the word and get it in the people's uh, uh, hearts, right? Ultimately, the end goal is not just to get them in the printed word in a box or even the box in a truck or a container, uh, but it's to get them in the hands of people uh, and then the hearts of people. So that's what we're all about. And I'm so thankful for everybody from all over that has uh, been contributing to this effort because it's been quite a quite a lift, and I appreciate uh, everyone that has been out. Uh, I want to also thank our guests. We have I know I saw you know we have Bruce and and Brian are here, and I saw Kathy Mel and many other uh, folks that have been. Oh, there's Don and Eileen, and so good to see you guys. And I, I start naming names, I'm in trouble. So forgive me for uh, for uh, naming too many names and forgetting others. But uh, just glad everybody's here. Uh, I do want to also mention a special thanks to Midtown. They've been sending folks down, and we have uh, Chris and Christine Best in the house, so we love you guys. Thank you for being with us tonight, Pastor Chris and Christine. And um, uh, they've been, uh, man, they've, you have, we've been friends for a long time. So, And our churches are, uh, you know, we're co-laboring through Living Faith Fellowship, and this is a heavy lift, and it's, it's so much that our little church couldn't get it done. But I'm so thankful for how it's a Philadelphian experience to get everybody in here uh, to work together to accomplish this mission. And, you know, ultimately it's God's work that's getting done. And uh, it's his word, it's his work, and it's going to go into the heart of those that receive it. Today we had a good message uh, from uh, Pastor Tony Godfrey at lunch, and he encouraged us in, getting, uh, in, the, in the need to get the word in the heart language. And how the enemies of God back in the Old Testament, they, they didn't want to speak in the, in, the, uh, in the tongue of uh their native tongue when they were threatening God's people. They wanted to speak in the heart language of the nation of Israel. Rob Shaka is who he's re- referencing back in the Old Testament when Sennacherib was threatening Israel during the time of Hezekiah. Interestingly enough, when the devil wanted to strike fear into someone's heart, he spoke in their native tongue. He spoke their language, right? And so we're, we're not here to strike fear in anyone's heart. We're here to give him the good news. And it's important to get it in there native language. And so we've been talking about translation. Last night was a great time to see Sharon DeLeon. Sharon, you, did, you hit it out of the park. It was outstanding. So a lot of people didn't know that you're like a little mini ninja, you know. Uh, you're just like a, you're a Bible Rambo. So uh, she comes up with her machete and uh, her jungle training and lets us know uh, that, you know, really you've literally been in pioneering work and effort in unreached uh, peoples, among unreached peoples and languages. And that's been incredible. Uh, and we're praying that as God would lead, and some might even in, the, in our midst rise up in due time and, and be a part of translation work. Because really, if the, if the people of God that ought to be involved in that kind of work ought to be coming out of our ranks, people that hold fast to the faithful word as we've been taught. And I know, and there's actually projects underway right now. And of course, we've, uh, Randy did a great job 
uh, the night before just laying out all the different things that God is doing. And of course, on Wednesday night, you'll, you'll hear from um, Mr. Vogley as he comes and shares with us, uh, Arian Vogley shares with us what he's doing in the Albanian language. So that's going to be a good time. So there's a lot of things going on and it's exciting. And man, uh, Sunday morning, Brian, didn't Brian Calloway just kick it off? I mean, and he helped us understand that uh, if God's priorities aren't our priorities, is that God's problem? No, it's, it's our problem. It's our problem because uh, something has gone wrong with us, not with God. So God's priorities uh, need to be our priorities. And so it's really the, the, what we do with the opportunities we have really is a reflection of uh, our priorities, isn't it? And so that was a great kickoff. And I mentioned Brian because Brian serves under Pastor Mark Brown. And Pastor Mark Brown and I go back way back when I was a, he's got a, he's got more influence in my life than he probably realizes. Um, when I was a young, a young whippersnapper, uh, I mean, we're talking the first ministries that I was involved in, and Amy and I were involved in athletic ministry, and uh, our ministry head, uh, Tim Templeton, would take us every year to a retreat, and we would learn, uh, we would learn baseball skills. Uh, I played baseball, you know, but I wasn't an expert or anything, but uh, Mark Brown was. Uh, and so uh, he would bring him in, and he would train us, and uh, and then Tim would teach us principles of how to, to plan for our ministry every year and how to invest in people and, and really get us squared away so it was a ministry and not just a baseball league. And so uh, I can remember Pastor Mark before he was Pastor Mark, and I was not Pastor Brian. We were just a couple dudes doing what we do for Jesus' sake. And, uh, and so praise God, uh, we're still just a couple dudes. But, you know, when you're faithful with what God gives you, God will give you more, and God will give you more, and God will give you more, because he's looking for people that will be faithful with his word. And so uh, Pastor Mark has been a dear friend of mine, and, uh, man, I've, I've just watched him grow and go. Uh, he served at First Bible Baptist of Blue Springs. I, you've been there, I don't know how many years now, but a long time, yeah, uh, probably over 20 years. Yeah, over 20 years, and uh, been the senior pastor now for about nine years, so praise the Lord. So uh, Pastor Mark, uh, my heart is knit with his, and I just wanted to have him in to encourage us, uh, to exhort us, and uh, and just preach the word to us. So Pastor, uh, come on up, and as he's coming, uh, give him a good HBF welcome. Before I let you preach, though, I got I got a this is gonna. This is a segue. So this is a, a tradition we do every night. Um, who knows? I mean, I'm almost giving it away. What position did Pastor Mark play? You know, pitcher. Can you throw that to him, brother? High and outside, <laughs> always. <laughs> brother, come preach to us. Appreciate it. Well, Thank you, you so much, Pastor Brian. What an honor and privilege. I wasn't very good at what I did there. I hope that we can get into the Word of God and teach it and preach it uh, better than, uh, than I threw that T-shirt. <laughs> Baseball's only this big. So, See, Bill, you can tell everybody back at First Bible how terrible I am at throwing. But uh, thank you, church, for allowing me to be here. Thank you, Pastor Brian. Uh, what an honor and privilege. We're friends in Jesus, and we have been for a long time. And uh, Ryan came out and preached a youth camp 15 years ago, give yeah. or take. 
And you were going through an awful time there. I believe it was when your, your dad passed away and you still came. And uh, you have a faithful man, a faithful preacher, a faithful pastor, a shepherd that loves to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it's a privilege and honor to be here with you all and for, for uh, Brian to call me friend. I call him friend and I'm very thankful. On Sunday you heard from a much better preacher than I am. Uh, Brian Calloway is uh, just one of those good faithful men who breaks out the word of God and does a tremendous job at being a spirit-filled, in a spirit-filled place where he really truly gets after it. Now, um, he's a little less intense than I am. That's probably fair to say, isn't it, Addy? So, it might get a little crazy. I don't know why you got these boxes here. I'd usually probably be down and up, but now I'm not going to be able to do that. I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like I'm, I'm caged. Run over to 1 Peter chapter number 4 and join me there. That will be our text today. Um, your theme is prepare thy work, and as I uh, have muddled and sat on this and prayed through it for a number of weeks after Brian contacted me and asked me to come speak, uh, I thought, okay, it's a conference. Our church does a number of conferences, uh, uh, speaking in different ones, having different people come and speak, and so you pray through the timing. You pray through, okay, you're going to be speaking on a Monday evening, and uh, Everybody is really fired up after Sunday, and then Monday you're in the work, and you guys have been in a project that is eternally gratifying. You will not at all know of anything in the riches uh, here, but you will know of those riches one day in glory of what you're invested in, what you're part of. Prepare thy work uh, to be prepared and to be part of it means that if you're doing exactly and this is one of the things of being in a place of prepared for God's work. And I love having John 4.34 uh, up here. Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. You prepare, you want to finish, you want things to get done. And we live in a society where we rush through things, we push through things, we get going, go, go, go. And then, okay, and one of my favorite illustrations is uh, all of you might be sitting there at lunch and you're uh, in the middle of your lunch and you're already preparing for dinner. You're sitting there having a hot dog for lunch and you go, what are we eating for tonight? You haven't even finished lunch. You're constantly looking at the next thing. And that can be a good principle to follow when sometimes we get bogged down in the thing that we have been in in the past. But preparation has a lot of different pieces and parts and ingredients to it. And to prepare thy work, you are in a place where you said, hey, I'm committed, pastor. I want to be part of what we're doing. I want to get in on it. I want to do that work of assembly. I want to say, okay, God, use me in some form or fashion. And for all of you who are sitting here on a Monday evening for a message, we've already heard a message of be still, my soul, from a special song. You've already heard an update from Pastor Randy of what you're in the middle of. Pastor Brian came up. And so you've already heard some messages. You've heard them, some things doled out that would add to prepare thy work. And my prayer over the next few minutes is this will add to the 
prepare thy work theme and of course overwhelmingly hit you from the Holy Spirit of God, from the Word of God. We're going to use a text in 1 Peter uh, and we're going to use this text very simply for this reason. It is good to be in the work of the Lord. It is good to have your hands on things and get things done. But some of us are so focused on just the work that we are forgotten that there's some things that even are above that work. And for me to think that, okay, we're going to look at something in First Peter, what would Peter know about things? Well, Peter knows that above all things, above all things, above everything you're doing to the work of filling up some boxes with scripture, getting them on a trailer, getting them into the, the lives of people, uh, most importantly, seeing a life change, a, a soul converted to become a new creature in Christ. Their old things will be passed away. The old things will be, the, the, everything will be, the things will become new. And then they'll go, wow, I never understood the Bible. As it says in 1 Corinthians, this is just foolishness to them until they get saved, until they're born again. And then they go, I never saw that. And so you're in that work. You're preparing that work and you want to finish that work. But the phrase above all things, above things, what is above these things? And so this struck me over the last few weeks of maybe we just need to make sure that before I put my hands on another scripture to roll it, to put everything in place, to hand it to the next stage, to get everything to a place where then everything is full, everything is done properly, and then the covers are put on. All the things are done, and they're put in the box. I need to say, okay, God, where am I at? And Brian Calloway shared with me a little bit of what he was going to be preaching on with the life of Elijah, Elisha, and, and did he speak on that? Okay, I just want to make sure that I didn't hear of a different message. And he shared a little bit of that. There was something in these two men that was absolutely incredible. First Peter chapter number 4, verse number 7. Let's read the text here, and you'll see where we're headed. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. If we stop right there, everything will be fine. Well, we're going to move on because this text here starts with a statement by Peter that says, hey, the end of all things is at hand. So in light of that, hey, this is, this is the time. This is 2,000 years ago. This is the time. The end of all things is near. So we should be sober. We should be still. We should be at rest in the Lord. We should be ready for what the Lord's going to do. And we watch unto prayer. But he continues. With this phrase, and above all things. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another. When you think of each, that's, each piece that's going on here, it's building kind of like a crescendo. Because if you just stopped right there, use hospitality one to another, and you didn't add without grudging, then you say, yeah, I can just do that. But there's a condition without grudging. 
He continues and says in verse 10, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Verse number 11, If any man speak, let him speak. Let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, Father, we have spent time already worshiping you in the name of Jesus. We've sung and we've prayed together. We've done a lot as brothers and sisters in the Lord. There's a crew of people that have been here some all day and yesterday. They've been exhorted. They're edifying one another. They've been challenged. They're extolling your name. They're doing the work of the ministry, and they have been in the midst of prepare thy work. For this scripture project, it's more than that. It's the gospel going out to the people of this world to hear the truth, the good news of Jesus Christ. So we pray tonight as we look at this passage and break it down a little bit, we want the Holy Spirit to do the teaching. I want you to bless and open up the hearts of each person here. And may the spirit of the living God take this word and implant it so that it is a message that comes from on high, not from this man. I am a frail man at best. And we know the best of men are men at best. We just want to honor and glorify you with the preaching and teaching of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Prepare thy work. When you think about preparing things, when you think about what it ought to be to prepare something, you're already in it. You're already saying, I I just want to be prepared. I want to get something done. When I played professional baseball, there was always this spring training that came about. And every spring training, everybody would show up. And and so you've been to one or two or three or four spring trainings. And I was a minor league baseball player for the most part in my life. But I was able to pitch in the big leagues a little bit. And I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. No wonder everybody likes the major leagues. Uh, You get everything taken care of for you. You just show up and go. No, it doesn't go that way. You still have to prepare. You still have to be available. And you still have to say, I'm willing to do everything it takes to play a stupid, goofy ball game with a baseball and a bat and a glove. As I say often, most sports analogies just break down so easily when it comes to the Word of God. Now you come here and you say, okay, prepare thy work. I want to be part of something, so i got to be in prayer because it says in the end of all things, hey, it's at hand. Therefore, be sober and be in prayer. Let's do this. This is where we need to be. And we say, okay. I'm prepared. My heart's prepared. Or is it? Well, Lord, I'm available. I'm here. I showed up. That's good. I'm I'm here. Obviously, I'm available. But here's the funny part about things. Sometimes things break down in that place of willingness. You say, well, willingness is very closely tied to the word prepared it is 
But I've often found people that said they're prepared and available. I was taught that in ministry early on. Hey, just like in everything, you need to be prepared for the work and you need to be available for the work. I found over the years there's one more element and that's somebody that's willing to do it. There's so many people that are prepared to do stuff. There's so many people that are uh, available. They've got time on their hands, but they're not willing to move from the place that they're at right now. And I believe it's because, above all things, above these things, above all these things, there's something that's wrong. There's something missing. There's something, as Peter clearly states, and if anyone could write about it by the Holy Spirit of God, it would be Peter. Because this man knows that in his flesh there dwelleth no good thing. I know he did say that. Paul did. But Paul and Peter share that same humbling that came from the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been both broken down knowing that they've relied on their, their flesh, their abilities. They've been prepared. All of them, they, 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 they've had all the preparation they could possibly need. They are available to say, Lord, I'll do it. It was a holy calling for each one of them for what they accomplished. And they said, I'm willing and I'm never stopping. You see, that willingness, to me, can be fired up and can be ignited continually the fire the embers keep on going if you see in verse number eight and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves if that's all we spoke about tonight that would be enough because charity does cover the multitude of sins but there's other things that happen in this short passage and again we're going to break them down now it's interesting in the bible when you look up things i don't know if you like words do you guys like to look up words? How many still like to study words, like different words? Awesome. That's because your pastor's teaching you really, really well. Well, actually, it was all the people that are visiting that raised their hands. It was <laughs> Phrases. You punch them in. Blue letter Bible. You look. I still heard, heard that a paper concordance can work. And an old 1828 Noah Webster dictionary can still work. And sometimes you're just going to break it out, though I know there's shortcuts. So when you punch in above all things, sometimes some, some negative things come up, like this one. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked who can know it. I don't know if that's such a positive thing. Eh, not so much. But see, born again, believers here today, you're born again, you have a new heart. A new life. But this flesh will get you to a place where you might live here once again. Above all things. The heart can be deceitful, desperately wicked. How about this negative one from James? But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. But let your yea be yea, your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Watch out for what you promise. Watch out for what you commit to. The Bible teaches us in the Old Testament, you vow a vow, don't defer to pay it. You better make sure that if you speak of something that you said you're going to do, I'm willing to do it. I'm going to get in it. Then I know again, once again, people say, I'm willing to do stuff, but they've never been prepared. They're not even available. <laughs> but they're saying, I'm willing. I know people that can't get here to do this project. I'm sure that they say, hey, I'm willing, but I have to work 12 hours. 
I'm not available. I don't have the hours. Prepared. I might be people that say, hey, I love to teach the Bible, but I've never ever been taught how to teach. And so they're in a place where they say, I will do it, I will do it, I will do it, but they don't come through. And then they may be at a place where they're saying, hey, I swore to God that I would do this. You've heard that, Pastor. You, I just, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna commit to God, and they don't. Above all things, my brethren, swear not. That's a negative connotation about that. But here's a couple of positive ones. Colossians chapter number three. Above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. It makes things complete. It makes things completely put together in Jesus Christ. Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. That speaks for itself. It's really part of the essence of our message today that we'll be looking at here as we continue through this passage. Beloved, I wish above all things, 3 John verse 2, that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. That's a, a blessing. That is a, a, a good wish for, a desire for someone that above all things thou mayest prosper. And of course, verse number 8 of 1 Peter chapter number 4, we come back to one of our verses and really the key note verse of the verses 7 through 11 that we're going to break down in our message. And above all things have fervent charity. Fervent charity. Let me have you think for a moment. Just for a moment. Just for a moment. Look around the room real quick. Just look around the room. Just think. The multiplicity of ages. Young boys and girls. Young men and women. I won't use the word older, more mature. I was visiting with someone before the service that said, hey, I think we both agreed there's nothing wrong with some older people around once in a while. And people would say at a church setting, we want to have some young people. We want to be able to see the future. Well, look, right now, and I say this to our, our bunch, over at First Bible. The future of our church is in the 50s and 60s. You say, what do you mean? If you quit and give up and say, I'm done, what are the 30s and the 20s going to say to you? I guess that's the way we're supposed to do it. There's your discipleship. We will disciple from the place of who we are in Jesus Christ. We will reproduce the fruit that is in our lives. And at the 50s and 60s and 40s and 50s, and nah, I'm not so sure I can finish the work. I'm not so sure I can be involved in the work. To prepare thy work, I've got other works to be done. And unfortunately, the 20s and 30s, but it's normal human nature are looking at the older ones and saying, and now they're thinking, What do I do with my time if I'm seeing the 40s, 50s, and 60s say, I've done my part. It's time to be done. Peter is near the end of his life on this earth when he is writing this passage to believers that are Jew of their 
foundation, but converted to Jesus Christ. And in this setting, he is saying, look, you think you got it together with all of your good religion stuff. You think that everything that you are going to have and the tough stuff that you've gone through is tough as a Jew. When you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the fiery trials, the sufferings, the difficulties, all the hard work that has to be done. You know what? The work of the Lord is going to be difficult. And you need to, and I need to realize that above all things, we must have fervent charity. We must have this hospitality. We must understand what it means to minister one to another. We must understand what it means with the oracles of God and how we speak. We speak as the ability that God gives us. Because above all things, if our hearts aren't right with God in doing this work, as I understand Pastor Brian spoke of on Sunday, Brian Calloway, then ha! It'll be in vain. And we would hate to be in that place where the Corinthian church was challenged in verse number 58 of 1 Corinthians 15 that I have been speaking a little bit on recently in our church. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, what a theme song. And we attach that to... Our beautiful sister in front of the Lord, Don Pratt, our office manager for 16 years, who passed away a little over two weeks ago. That was her life. She loved to work, she loved to get it done, and her work was not in vain. Your work is not in vain when you line it up with the Word of God, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the gospel that needs to go out. But if we're missing some things, the above all things, then maybe the church isn't a place where Solomon said, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. We don't want to live there, church. We don't want to live there, brothers and sisters. This is not some repetitive exercise in futility and vanity. You are handling the words of the living God. Somebody printed them, took the time, gave them to you. You're putting them together. You're saying, that's really neat. Boom, boom. But you stop and think for a moment what you are in the middle of. It'd be as if, just as if anything that you'd be involved in, that God, I need to have the right heart attitude above all things. So very simply, we're just going to spend a few minutes on each one of these little pieces and understand them. Maybe look up a Bible verse or two. I'm pretty simple and straightforward in the way I preach. And we'll just see how God is speaking to us through this passage. First thing, have fervent charity. You and I cannot just say, well, that's nice. Maybe for someone else, it's good to have fervent charity. In order for you to understand the word fervency, you have to understand this thought of being dedicated and intense. What is it that we cannot be intense about our charity? Intense and dedicated and driven to the place where we move, where we do something about it. Well, I love my brothers and sisters in the Lord, and and I love them all. 
Where's our intensity, our fervency? Because it says fervent charity among yourselves. Charity, very simply spoken, is that agape, that unconditional, that highest form of love from God to us that then we give to others. But it says fervent charity. When you look up that combo, this is the place and the only place. And we understand that it says, hey, it covers a multitude of sins. Look up with me, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. We just don't read some of these passages at weddings and funerals, and that's good. It's interesting how we read like 1 Corinthians 15, or we read Psalm 23, and we go to a funeral or a, a memorial service, and that's it. When everyday life gives you that, 1 Corinthians 13, oh, that's good for premarital, that's good to read at the, uh, at the uh, wedding ceremony. Whew. This is for us right now. When Peter is saying the same thing that Paul is saying, I guess there must be some commonality in the author. He's named Holy Spirit. And he is written here in verse number 4 saying, Charity suffereth long, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. You don't sit around and go, I'm doing more boxes than you are. What is the matter with you? Can't you move it a little bit? I've already done three of these boxes myself. I don't understand why Pastor Brian even has all of you here. I can do the whole thing. Really? <laughs> it's not puffed up. Verse 5, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. We're not here for us. We hear that phrase, well, I'm not here. You're, not, you're here for others. Well, I'm just here for Jesus. Yes, but you're here for others. The fervent charity goes to other people. You see, this passage that Peter is sharing is about others because Peter had to fight and wrestle his own relational difficulties. You really think his buddies, his disciple friends, really loved that guy being around? Nope. You denied Jesus? What were you thinking, pal? Well, you would have too. Hey, Peter himself, in writing above all things, have fervent charity. Understand what Paul's writing here to the church at Corinth. Verse 6, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Someone asked me recently, what should I do about such and such a matter? I said, you can never go wrong, ever, ever, when you exhibit God's grace. Give someone the grace from the love of Jesus Christ. Give them something they could never, ever earn, never, ever, in the wildest, ever, ever pay you back for. And you do it because you love them. Because charity, charity never faileth. Brother, if they've got this charity stuff sitting in their hearts, this will not fail. Simple. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. And here's where I'm sitting. And here's where we're sitting with this guy, Peter. Peter knows. You need to have this incredible fervency in your charity. Because charity shall cover the multitude of sins. It says in Proverbs 10 12, Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins. I kind of like that. Proverbs 10, 12. Proverbs 17, 9. 
Write the address down. You can look it up later at your homework. He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. But he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Tough proverb right there. Well, tell me what's going on. No, no, no. But let me, give me the details. No, 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 no. Because my brothers and sisters that cover a transgression, they seek love. That's the kind of love that Peter's talking about. You and I need to have fervent charity. Next we see again in 1 Peter 4, in our text, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Use hospitality. What's hospitality mean to you? What's hospitality immediately in the thought? Someone greeted me today, another person greeted me today, another person greeted me today, another person greeted me. You guys made me feel welcome. I'm sure after I'm done speaking, you will not want me back around. I understand that. Then I'm putting this hospitality to the test. Because it's without grudging. Go to Romans chapter number 12 with me. See, the Bible teaches us that elders, bishops, deacons, we're supposed to have charity. We're supposed to have hospitality. We're supposed to have this heart for people that does not stop. We're to say, yes, Lord, I have no problem. One of the worst things that I ever would ever hear from a pastor is, oh, the ministry would be wonderful if it wasn't for the people. Are you kidding me? Make me sick to hear that. But I've heard it from pastors. I've heard it from them. When it says a bishop must be blameless, self will not soon angry, on and on it says, but a lover of hospitality in Titus chapter number one, a lover of hospitality. We're to be prone to give and to love and to be that place of fervent charity. We're to also use hospitality. It says in Romans chapter number 12, you know the passage of scripture, some of you, you're familiar with it. It says, be kindly affection one to another in verse number 10, with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Here we go. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Now, do not take out the next two verses. Distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. That's not a moment for taking the sharpie and drawing it through there. Because we're to bless them which persecute us. We're to bless and curse not. Above all things, we're to have fervent charity. Above all things, we're to use this hospitality. We're to say, okay, if we're going to, oh, I can just get in there and do the work. I, just, just, get, just give me the boxes. Just let me do all this. I can do it. What happened to the charity? What happened to the hospitality? We're here hanging out. No, I'm going to go in my corner, and I'm not going to talk to anybody. I've got this. I'm doing the... Don't you talk to me. Don't. Wait a minute. That's not Heartland Baptist Fellowship. No way. There's no way. I know this guy. I know he would never shepherd sheep that way. And if he did, he'd probably put you all in timeout. No, you see, you will be a reflection of your leader. And if your leader shepherds with a heart of fervent charity, of hospitality without grudging, 
It says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 7, if you just want to write that down again in address, every man according as he has purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. It is in reference to financial things, but God doesn't want you to give your hospitality grudgingly either. Yet, we hear Bible message after Bible message, devotion after devotion, Some of you listen to blogs and messages continually. You hear things coming in, coming in, coming in. And then you say, okay, I'm just going to go do the work. And you miss this step somewhere of what Peter's saying. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. Use hospitality one to another. It also says, as every man hath received the gift, in verse 10, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister. Every, everyone. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 with me. Just a simple Bible lesson tonight. Just a simple Monday night Bible lesson. Here we are looking at what the Word of God says about what people, uh, Peter's words are, written by the Holy Spirit of God. The rest of the Scripture, all the Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is proper for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. We know. I know that. Oh, gosh, the worst thing you can say to God is, I know that. I know that. I know that. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You sound like a 10-year-old child who's being corrected by their mother. I know, Mom. Leave me alone. I know, Mom. Really? Well, here we are with God putting before us this incredible work to accomplish. Well, what's above all these things? Is my heart in the right place? Do I have that fervent charity? Do I live in a place where I'm given to hospitality and I will use hospitality? It's to one another, to one another, to others. Even so, minister the same one to another. The message could even be called one to another. There's so much here in just a simple passage as God's led us to the study today. Now, if I look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, I see something going on here in verse number 4 through 7. It says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh in all. But here we go now. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Believers have the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God in them to profit with all. It's not for yourself to sit around and hold on to because you've become the third level expert at Charity, hospitality, and how to minister. Well, how would anybody know? What's the tale of the tape in your life? What would other people say? You know the old phrase. We don't have to wait till someone passes into glory. It should be easy for you and I to walk up to a brother and sister, a close friend of the Lord, and say, what do you see in me that's of the fruit of the Spirit? What do you see in me that's of the spirit of the living God that shows that I'm alive? Or am I dead still in my trespasses and I, or I've quenched the Holy Spirit so much that (sighs) 1 Corinthians 12 goes into a course, an incredible litany and beautiful harmony of what the body of Christ is like 
the manifestation in verse 7 of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Peter's saying this. He says in 2 Corinthians 8, 12, if you want to put down as an extra verse, an extra reference for later, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. It is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Understand that you're not to look to the Lord to get some bunch of stuff for ministry to minister to others that someone else has that you don't have. No, God's saying in the word, in the body of Christ, by the spirit of God and that manifestation that what he's given you in him is what he wants you to exude out of yourself, out of your person. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. You don't look around and go, boy, ah, let me see now. I, I like what you do and I like how you minister and uh, I'd like to have your talents. And then I love this phrase, but I don't love this phrase. I hear this phrase often. Well, if God put it in me, why would he not want me to use it? Well, so you're a good ping pong player. You're good at pool. I know God's going to use it to give me a ping pong and pool ministry. Where are you going to do that? Well, there's some clubs that I can go to. Well, I'm going to buy a pool table for my house. I'm going to buy a ping pong table and invite people over, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus Christ with a ping pong paddle and a pool stick. How about if you set up an appointment with Pastor Brian and say, Hey, Pastor, how can you use me? I believe that God would have me to serve in the ministry. Well, why don't you show up at our conference and put some things together? Maybe you go over and see Pastor Randy. Say, Randy, how can I be more effective in ministry here? Because the manifestation of the Spirit of God in my life, in your life, will come out when someone else witnesses it. As the old fun phrase says, if you have to go and tell people that you're really humble, you're not. Well, I've seen the traits that I have, and when I look in the mirror, I... I just see so many wonderful things in me. Humility. Kindness. Good looks. That's just for me. I'm just, I'm just talking about it. And then you go to James and find out that we all walk away from that moment from the word of God. And we go, wow, I forgot what manner of man I am when I looked into the word of God. That's why a lot of people don't spend any time. The next one. Look, it is. And if you have your finger still in 1 Peter chapter number 4, he continues in that same verse with this statement. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Oh, we had to go into grace for a moment. Yes, we won't spend a long time here because I don't want it to be too much. I've already mentioned it a little bit. But the manifold grace of God, just as there are diverse gifts of the Spirit, there are facets of God's grace. There really is. The Bible says in John's gospel that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Of his fullness have all we received grace for grace. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth by the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to read some great stuff, of course, the book of Romans still has tons of grace and tons of faith in it. There's saving grace and there's serving grace. There's sanctifying grace and sacrificing grace. There's singing grace. Thank you for your grace. That God gave you, so he gave it to you. He gives it to all of us. There's singing grace, Colossians 4. There's strengthening grace and there's suffering grace. Found in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 
My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That is suffering grace that Paul's referring to. That's suffering grace. You're only going to be in a place where you'll understand that grace when you're going through sufferings. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I kept it pretty simple. I've been only using 1 Corinthians a little bit. I know they know more books of the Bible, right, Pastor? Okay. 1 Corinthians 15. Here we are in verse number 9. Paul says this. He just mentioned the gospel. He delivered the gospel to the peach bullet Corinth. And he's saying in verse number 9, For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But, verse 10, by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. It wasn't for a useless thought. It was for purpose. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Ooh, I like those. You see, the grace of God, the manifold grace of God that Peter's talking about, he experienced it in his life. And it poured out of him. And I promise you one simple thing from the word of God. If you don't put your, place, play, uh, your life in a place of faith and be prepared to do thy work and do it by faith and sacrifice and give us some stuff, you really won't see the grace of God pour out on you in a genuine way that Paul talked about and Peter talked about and John the Apostle talked about. They talk about it. They wrote about it. And they do reference that sanctifying grace in Romans and that sacrificing grace in 2 Corinthians 8. You see, my grace is sufficient for thee. And as Paul said that, he said, I would, I glory in the infirmities and reproaches. I, I know the grace of God. I know what it means. And as he said in 1 Corinthians 15, I'm the least of the apostles. If he said that, what about me? What about you? I am not me to be called an apostle. Because he says in verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. If you once again have any cool phrases that you use, there's one of them. I go with grace. Here I am. The grace of God. Where would I be without it? Where would you and I be? We are to be in the midst of prepare thy work with this above all things, charity, hospitality. Oh my, thank you God for your incredible love toward me. Oh my. I'm to expand and expound upon his grace that he's extended in my life because at least the last couple. Everybody loves the word of God to me that is a believer and that is a key element to whether or not you are a believer. People love to hear the word of God taught. 
I am speaking to people that are here on a Monday evening after assembling scripture and they're here to hear the word of God preached. They're here to be worship, to be part of worship. They're here because of God's grace in their lives. And as we look at what Peter's saying at the last verse, he says in verse number 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. I must speak as the oracles of God by the Holy Spirit within. If I speak of myself or I speak the oracles of Mark or the oracles of religiousness or I speak of the oracles of some legalistic methodology that I have put together that I follow so that you can be self-righteous like I'm self-righteous. That is against the oracles of God. We're against what God is teaching. God's teaching this incredible message that's centered on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The love of Christ should constrain us. As we see in the scriptures and what Paul said, we see the same in Peter's life. And I've said that more than once today. And Peter expounded and spoke of and really truly said things that were of the oracles of God. And he's an incredibly intricate man. He's an incredibly intricate and crazy guy to study out. But the apostle Peter sometimes gets a bad rap because he was impetuous. He was foolish at times, sometimes overzealous. Yeah, it's nice to be able to pick at everybody's weaknesses. But this is one of Peter's strengths. It might be said of you that it is one of your strengths that you speak as the oracles of God. It says, if any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. And we'll look at that. As the oracles of God, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. 2 Corinthians 3, Paul is writing his second letter to the church at Corinth. He's talked to them about the sufferings of Christ, the consolation, being able to, to really come alongside of them and others that understand the sufferings of Christ. And he goes into chapter number 2 and he teaches them and, and exhorts them and says, Hey, this battle that we have is real. It's been in my life. And it continues to be in your life. You know what to do to do what's right, church at Corinth. And your heart is at the heart of the matter. And so he says in chapter number 3 in 2 Corinthians, verse number 1, I'll read it, but our text is verses 2 and 3. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of combination to you, or letters of combination from you? Is it all about what people say about me, or you, or you about me? No, it's about the epistle of the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts. He says in verse 2, Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. This is that fervent charity he has for this church, for these people. And verse number 3 says, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in the tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. Whew! That would ought to be a great message of the life of the believer, that new heart in Jesus Christ, that person that says, I have fervent charity. Charity covers a multitude of sins. I have this hospitality in me above all things, and I don't do it grudgingly. I do it without grudging. As every man received a gift, I minister the same one to another. Whatever it is that God gave me, I minister. To be in a place in my life where I'm a steward of the manifold grace of God, I ought to be a better caretaker of all the grace that he's poured out to me. And then, as he comes into verse number 11, he says, Hey, if you speak, it ought to be the oracles of God, from the heart of God, from the voice of the Holy Spirit of God that says, 
I love you because Jesus first loved me. We love because he loved first. We give because he gave. We serve and we minister and do this work because of him. Oh, I, 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 I got it. I, I understand. Oh, you're back to, I know. I know. I know. Whoa. I've learned after being saved for 38 years that I know very, very little. And the time that I spend alone with the Lord is mostly begging him for his grace to cover all of the messes that I've made. And most of the messes are right in here. Distracted by myself. In love with the things in this world. And forgetting the love that I'm to have. This fervent charity for one another. To give out hospitality without to be a steward of the manifold grace of God above all things, to look and see the oracles of God should come flying out of my mouth in a way that truly is the epistle of Christ, not in the table of stone, but in the fleshly table of my heart and your heart. Because lastly, I taught this over 30 years ago at KCBT in this verse. I don't think I've taught it in 30 years. The only reason that I was able to do anything in a clinic was the ability that God gave. Not to throw a ball, but to break down how to have coaches then take what you are giving them to coach others I heard that's called discipleship. And the things that thou hast heard of me, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I think I left out that part about many witnesses on purpose. Because Paul said that to Timothy in a place where they were talking about who he is in Ephesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Have people heard these things about you, your church? Or they just heard that you put a bunch of boxes together? Have they heard that you have hospitality that you give to others without grudging? Is it above all things that you have fervent charity? Is the truly this ministry that you have based upon the manifold grace of God as a good steward? Is it truly... With all that you're in and what Pastor Brian said, there's a lot of great things going on. There's a lot of things we're involved in. Is it really in the middle of all this? It's because you know that it's the ability that God giveth. As I finish up here, turn with me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, and I will be done. Paul concludes this letter, and he says some incredible words to the church at Corinth, not far away from where we were in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says in verse number 13, after speaking of his brothers, and he's going to speak more of his brothers and and the saints of the Lord, he says in verse number 13, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men. 
Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. There it is again. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such. And to every one that helpeth with us and laboreth, I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and of Achaeus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. This is totally and completely a body of Christ, kingdom of God, local assembly work built upon the Lord Jesus Christ and the vision of God for your, from your pastor. And when you look at what Peter said, he said, above all things, above all things, above all things, when you get into this work, make sure that you understand the fervent charity that we are to have, that when truly we get done with this whole thing, we look around and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for what you have done, that all things be done with charity. That you're addicted yourselves to the ministry of the saints. That you submit yourselves unto such. And back to Peter as he finishes up he says. That God in all things. 1 Peter 4.11. May be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you Apostle Peter. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for showing us how to get the work done. But really, truly, why am I getting it done? Do I have the how? Do I have the what? Do I have the where and the when? But sometimes I forget. Why am I doing this? We're doing this as the local church together. And finally it says, God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. When you prepare the work, what will be above all things? Who will be above all things? Please bow your heads for a word of prayer as I finish out. Pastor Brian. With our heads bowed and eyes closed as we continue in prayer, I just uh, thank you so much, Lord, for the words that we've heard, Lord, the admonition for us to really consider the why. Lord, why are we doing what you've called us to do here, Lord? And I thank you for your messenger. Thank you for bringing a, a good word to us today, Lord, encouraging us to, above all things, Heavenly Father, have fervent charity, use hospitality, minister, Lord, having a heart of grace, Lord, the oracles of God, that's so important that we get the word of God where it needs to go, and Lord, we thank you for the ability that you've given. It all comes from you, but most importantly, Lord, it's for your honor and for your glory. That is the why, above all things. Lord, thank you for the, the ability to, to comprehend that in our minds. Lord, I pray that's the case in our hearts, Lord, you are exalted above all things. You are holy. 
And because you're holy, we're holy. This is a holy work, Lord. We're separated unto it. We've been called uh, to get your word assembled and sent where it needs to go on time. And Lord, this has been a mighty effort already. Lord, I pray, God, that uh, we would not be distracted or dismayed uh, or discouraged in any way. Lord, that we'd be encouraged knowing that we're doing your work your way for your honor and your glory. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I know there's been many here already that have, um, you know, been working hard and it's been a long week already for you. But I just want to pray with you and for you. If there's anyone here and say, Brian, I just need some encouragement. I need to, need some prayer. I just want to pray for you. Is there a chance anybody's like, Brian, I need to get saved? Probably not on a Monday night. But you just never know. Let's stand together in an attitude of prayer. Maybe, maybe tonight uh, you just need to encourage, be encouraged in the word. I'm thankful for what we've heard, thankful for the opportunity to consider all these things that uh, we've heard, having fervent charity, using hospitality, ministering. Man, I tell you what, what a, what a good challenge we, we had there. I really enjoyed thinking about God's grace and uh, the oracles of God that God has given us. When we prepare the work, you know, will we be above all things? And Heavenly Father, I thank you for this uh, time to just meditate upon these things. I thank you for the work that you're doing in our hearts, but Lord, you're doing a work in other people's hearts as well. Lord, I can remember uh, what the Old Testament says about the children of Israel and how as, uh, as Moses was uh, off doing his thing, uh, kind of like, sort of like Paul or Peter, not always walking in the Spirit, not always understanding your will. In his case, he was running far away done with the ministry, done with being a, a savior of Israel, done with serving you. He was just running from you. And Heavenly Father, you had a people. You had a people that were in bondage. You had a people that were in despair. You had a people that were hurting. And Lord, while Moses had every opportunity to understand all things from an Egyptian perspective, Lord, your people were, were hurting. Moses was hurting because it didn't go the way he wanted it to, but Lord, your people were oppressed. And Lord, they prayed to you and you moved in Moses' heart to get him where he needed to be so that your people could be saved. And Lord, you gave him your word. Your word is above all things. You've, you've exalted your word above your very name. And Lord, you gave him the word in writing. He was the first man to get that written down on tables of stone. And we've just heard how the fleshy tables of the heart are where it's at today. Lord, you have written the word upon our heart, and you have called us in this process of getting the written word in the hearts of those that are in bondage, Lord. And we don't always know how it's going to get there, and we don't always want to cooperate. But Lord, we've heard a good message tonight about how we need to submit to that. Lord, we need to submit to your will. We need to do what you called us to do. And like Peter, like Paul, like others before us, Lord, we just need to be willing, Lord, not just know what to do, but uh, be willing to do it because we understand the why. Lord, it's not for our sakes, it's for your sake, for your people's sake. It's your will must be done, not ours. And so we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together to accomplish your will and your power for your glory. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity tonight just to serve you even more, and it is a privilege and an honor. Lord, we are so thankful for the privilege of touching your word and assembling your word and binding your word and boxing your word and shipping your word and, and Lord, also giving financially through your word. Lord, we need to continue to pray about what God would have us give financially to help this go. We, we're going to have to ship these scripture, Lord. I pray you'd provide the thousands of dollars that it's going to take to do that. And Lord, I just thank you in advance for 
your will being done. We thank you now and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. That was a good word. Appreciate you. All right, stay standing. No, no, it's time to go to work. So I'm going to have uh, Bob come up. If Bob wants you to sit, you can sit. But Bob, if you want him to stand, keep him standing. And uh, and you can launch us into the Okay. All right. How many of you have had a chance to tell people that you're making Bibles this week? All right. You know, and, and it, when you, so you're excited about making Bibles, right? And so when you tell them that, and, and they're like, oh, you know, why do you make Bibles? And it's I mean, if you just break it down to the most simplest way, it's, a, it's because we can give the second most important thing in our life to someone else who doesn't have it. And that's what we're doing. And so uh, I don't know about you, but I think everybody's getting a little bit worn out this week. I, I talked to one of our uh, Bible team that's just been a member for just a year or two, and and we were talking, and she asked what day it was. I said, you have arrived. Because when you get to that point, when you don't know what day it is, well, we're doing a Bible assembly, you have arrived. So we have a lot to do. we got about 1,000 Bibles that's over here on your right that need to be rolled, and then they need to be brought to the checking room and checked, and then brought to the binding room. And we got to get that done so we can bust into the 1,000 English Bibles that are going to Jamaica. So basically, that's where the focus is. If you want to help do some work tonight, head over to your right, and we'll get everybody started, and uh, we'll just continue on with the work. So you are dismissed.